You're listening to AM 1220 KDOW, and welcome to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips with your host, Denise Eaton-May. Denise is a former Human Resources Director and Assistant County Counsel who now practices employment law. She spent more than 10 years as a Deputy Attorney General handling public employee personnel matters. Now she shares her unique perspective with you, providing advice and dialogue for employers and employees as she tackles some of the common issues in the 21st century workplace. Now, here's your host, Attorney Denise Eaton-May. Welcome to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips. I'm your host, Denise Eaton-May, and you're listening to KDOWAM 1220. Today, we're going to talk about what happens when you just feel so much pressure on the job uh, as a result of the way you're being treated that you just have to leave. You just can't tolerate it anymore. And then you decide what they did to me while I was on the job uh, was really, really unfair. And I want to know if I can sue and and what is it that I can sue for. This show is going to be about the concept of constructive discharge. I'm hoping to be able to give you today what constitute constructive discharge from an employee's perspective, and then some tips on how to avoid putting yourself in that situation if you are an employer. Again, you're listening to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips. If you ever have any questions concerning our show, please feel free to visit my website at www.demlegaleagle.com. What is constructive discharge? And and I will tell you that I came up with this topic this week because I realized I had received several calls about situations where people felt like, I just can't take it anymore the way I'm being treated at the job. I'm being either discriminated against or uh, just treated differently uh, in many, many terms and conditions of employment. And I just need to know what to do. Well, the typical answer that most uh, employees uh, either have done by the time they call me or are planning to do is to go out on stress and uh, file, you know, some type of workers' comp. But there are those who just says, you know, I don't want to go down that route because of the traditional stigma associated with filing a workers' comp claim. I want to make sure my my uh, employment history and record is clean, so I, I'm just going to quit. But I felt like I was forced to quit. Is there something that I can do to... Um, go after my employer for putting me in a position that I would not have been in had I just been treated fairly or um, had not been under such a harassment. Um, A lot of times um, the constructive discharge uh, claim comes with um, discrimination and harassment claims. But um, what is constructive discharge? What does that mean? How does that work? What does that entail? Essentially, um, It's a legal tool that is used to explain uh, from a legal perspective uh, the experience of an employee being forced out, being uh, pushed to the point where the working conditions uh, and the working environment is so intolerable that the employee has to, to quit the job. And so the courts have looked at this particular tool for some years now. In fact, the controlling case in California was Turner v. Anheuser-Busch, which came out back in 1994. 
And in that case, uh, the plaintiff complained of uh, his treatment uh, after he had informed his superiors that other employees had violated the state liquor laws, a lot of internal company policies and provisions in the collective bargaining agreement. He was just whistleblowing. And after that, uh, his employees, uh, fellow employees, as well as his supervisor, um, just began to really, really alienate him and uh, treat him uh, in a fashion that created a, a lot of hostility in the work environment. So he ultimately quit and subsequently sued uh, for what we now know uh, is coined constructive discharge. And it's a termination basically, that is triggered by the employee. And that's kind of what you want to try and use it for. And from a legal perspective, that's what the attorneys are are saying. You know, he was essentially, you know, discharged, but it was more constructive because of the circumstances surrounding his his discharge. Um, Constructive discharge occurs when the employer's conduct effectively forces an employee to resign. Um, Although the employee may say that, I quit. Uh, The employment relationship was actually severed involuntarily because of the employer's acts uh, against the employee's will. And as a result, the courts have looked at that type of circumstance um, legally as a firing rather than a resignation. So what are some of the things that the court looks at when a person is calling or, or saying, um, I had to resign because of the circumstances in which the employer was, was treating me? So in Turner versus Anheuser-Busch, the case that came out in 1994, that court kind of talked about some factors that you want to look at um, in, 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 in testing whether you are able to state Um, a charge for constructive discharge. So it looks at uh, what kinds of actions and conditions are suffered to convert what is ostensibly a voluntary quit into a discharge. It also looks at whether the impact of those actions and conditions is measured by either a subjective impact or an objective impact. And I can honestly tell you that more recently, um, the courts are looking at what a reasonable person would do and what the objective um, impact would be. Um, It also looks at the intent of the employer. What level of knowledge did the employer have regarding these conditions and what did they do? (laughs) I mean, if, you know, you're being teased because of a a religious belief or or, or a situation in which you find uh, offensive and, 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 your culture, that is something very sacred to you, but in the workplace uh, that you work, everybody finds it hilarious and continues to tease you. Yeah, that's a little stressful, <laughs> and that could create a little hostile environment there. So that is something that uh, the courts will look at. So when you're looking at whether I am suffering under intolerable conditions, it's very important to look at what constitutes intolerable. What are what is the court going to recognize before you just go and quit? And I do get these calls. I get these calls every week where people are saying, you know, I'm being treated so much differently than my counterparts. And, you know, my counterparts come in late every day, and I come in late for one minute, and I basically get written up. Um, my counterparts take three-hour lunches. I don't even get a lunch most days because I'm doing all the work. Um I basically 
have been required to do 800 widgets when the standard is only 500 and my counterparts are making the same amount of money as I am and even got a greater bonus and they did less than I did. I feel like I'm being mistreated. I I can't take it anymore. I have headaches. I can't sleep. All these things are going on and I want to know what to do. I think I just want to quit. I just want to leave, but I don't want to lose my unemployment. That's usually the question I get uh, because, you know, under California law, uh, you have to uh, have been uh, terminated. You could not have uh, been uh, can't leave the job or resign um, or have been terminated based on willful misconduct. Then you will not be eligible for unemployment, which, you know, is in our society the safety net for individuals who are unemployed. So it's always a tough situation for that employee to have to face. But when they decide that it's best to quit, but they still feel that the environment uh, in which they were working forced them to quit, they look at constructive discharge as a means of going after their employer for having to be um, forced to resign and for the employer, you know, gauging in um, covert calculated misconduct that it would be illegal uh, had it been um, overtly discovered. So one of the biggest elements, I think, that is difficult to establish with constructive discharge, again, we talked about it as being working in intolerable conditions that uh, force you to have to leave. Um, One of the most difficult part is establishing that those conditions are intolerable Uh, from a reasonable person standpoint, as well as looking at the intent. Um, An employee claiming constructive discharge has to satisfy the intent requirement, uh, showing that the employer intended to do this, that their goal was to get rid of you. (laughs) They did not want you. They didn't want to go through the traditional discipline process because, you know, after you've been on the job for a little while, most companies, not all, uh, especially private sector, but most companies have some kind of just cause standard. And when you're trying to meet your just cause standard, you have to document. Normally, unless the conduct is egregious, uh, you don't come out of the gate with a termination. you got to come up with a suspension or some kind of uh, reduction in pay or something like that. And sometimes the employer, usually it's that first-line supervisor that doesn't like you, <laughs> uh, decides, I don't want to have to go through that process. So let's just make this environment difficult so this person will just go ahead and voluntarily leave. And you're thinking, uh, as an employer, if they voluntarily leave, then there's no problem, you know, problem. Uh, I'm not subjected to any kind of liability because I haven't taken any action. And this is what I'm trying to tell you. There is this theory of constructive discharge that you can be hauled into court as an employer to be able to um, answer to some of the uh, actions. Um, When the courts are looking at some of these issues of Uh, whether there was intolerable conditions or what type of environment uh, the individual that is alleging constructive discharge had to work under, oftentimes a demotion or a severe cut in the work hours or assigning the employee a work schedule that is less desirable and drastically contrary to the one the employee accepted at the time that uh, the employment commenced Um, reassigning the employee to an out-of-state location against the employee's wishes uh, for no extra compensation. Those are usually factors that go into looking at whether there was a constructive termination. 
This uh, issue and doctrine was also addressed in uh, by the Supreme Court in Pennsylvania State Police versus Suitors that uh, concerned a woman who had claimed sexual harassment against her supervisors and uh, was subsequently demoted as a result of her claim. And the court said, yes, this looks like and smells like and walks like a duck, so this is constructive discharge. <laughs> so, um, you know, looking at this, I guess one of the issues is what can you do as an employer to avoid getting yourself in that situation? What can you do to ensure that you're in compliance with the laws and that when a person does leave your employment, they've left voluntarily and there is no exposure to liability? When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the tips of avoiding constructive discharge claims. Again, you're listening to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips. I'm your host, Denise Eaton May. If you ever have any questions concerning the show, please feel free to email me at d.may, M-A-Y, at eaton, E-A-T-O-N, dash M-A-Y, law.com. You're listening to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips with attorney Denise Eaton May. If you have a question for Denise, call her law office in Hayward at 510-888-1345 or visit her website at demlegaleagle.com. Now, back to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips with attorney Denise Eaton-May. Welcome back to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips. We're talking today about the concept of constructive discharge. And uh, we spent just a little time uh, before the break going over what is constructive discharge and how the courts sort of look at it. And I think what I want to emphasize is the fact that even though someone a disgruntled employee leaves your uh, workplace, um, what you perceive as voluntarily, you're not out of the woods in terms of your exposure to liability. We talk a lot on this show about how to avoid liability, how to make this place where everybody spends so much of their day um, or evening or night, depending on your shift, uh, there, how do we make this place congenial, uh, a place where it's a win-win for the employer and employee? And constructive discharge is one of those theories that has been raised so that if an employer is intentionally trying to get rid of someone, and a lot of times the, the, the board of directors of the corporation doesn't know that that first-line supervisor is doing that, um, it, it, it's really a concept designed to prevent employers from forcing employees into resigning and, you know, by engaging in what is covert and calculated misconduct uh, that is illegal. And if it were done, you know, overtly, it certainly would be um, illegal uh, information. But constructive discharge is a way employers get rid of employees without formally terminating the employee. The employer typically alters the employee's working conditions and creates a working environment that is so intolerable that the employee will quit his job. And so for some of those employers who really don't want to do that, who would rather continue to have a productive workforce, I have some tips on how you can avoid the constructive discharge claims. And we know that, you know, as the market becomes more challenging, um, employers and the staff have become under more pressure. And um, it's a difficult employment market. You know, sometimes when disgruntled ex-employees feel like they've got a case for constructive uh, discharge because of the way they were treated. A lot of times this has to do with three core items. One, communication. 
Are you communicating with your employees? Two, are you respecting them? Do they feel respected? And there's a number of tips I'm going to give you on, on how to do that. And three, managing change. We live in a society now where change is inevitable. It is so quick. Matter of fact, I realized that by the time I bought my desktop computer for my office, it was and got it in the office and got it set up and got all the software on it, it was obsolete. <laughs> A new one had already been created. So change is ever more facing us in our society now. It's how we manage that change and the impact on people that happens. If you communicate with your employees what the change is going to be and manage that change in an effective way, you reduce your your uh, chances of having a disgruntled employee. One of the first tips I want to give you is um, look after your employees and engage them when you can. Good employee relations means that people are less likely to take offense and will understand why changes have to be made. Um, You know, just like in anything, if a majority of your workforce is motivated, they understand there's been effective communication, they feel like you're treating them fairly, then that one little odd troublemaker, which everybody has, uh, that might want to come and see it differently, won't be able to persuade those other individuals to uh, necessarily create an environment that could uh, lead them to feel uh, disgruntled. Um, The other thing that I talked about in a major, major tip is performance management. Good systems of performance management always encourage good behaviors to produce good results in a strategic and integrated manner. And I think I've talked to you all the time when employers come to me and say, you know, this person's having a problem and we had to fire them, blah, blah, blah. First thing attorney's going to ask is, let me look at their personnel file. When's the last time you did their evaluation? And it comes out the employee's been there for eight years and only had one evaluation, and it was excellent. And now you're coming to tell me this employee had all these performance problems, but there's no documentation. (laughs) And so when the employer says suspect, when the employee says suspect, you know, this is not true, we have no way of proving it other than your word. And that's what gets expensive uh, when you're in litigation trying to prove that. The simplest way to do that is have a good performance management system. And it's good for you. It's good for you to have that so that you know you're constantly reminding the employee what your expectations are. You're communicating with that employee. And they know exactly what is expected of them. Um, When there is time for you to have to do discipline uh, and deal with grievances, you need to handle them effectively. Um, But the most situations that I see is the lack of training of that first-line manager and how to handle it, how to deal with uh, different types of um, discipline. So I think, you know, training your managers on how to start with some progressive discipline, how to continue to communicate, provide training, provide encouragement uh, will help you to um, address discipline properly when it's uh, entitled to be used. Um, having good policies and up-to-date policies. I think one of the things we talked about on my previous show is the Fair Pay Act that has gone into, uh, will be going into effect in California. And a lot of employers now are looking at, am I paying my employees fairly? Do I really have a disparate impact on women in the way I've structured my compensation package? Maybe I need to look at that. And you'll see in the papers for the last couple of weeks, companies are coming forward and said, hey, you know what? We didn't know this. We've done an assessment and we've made adjustments. We feel good that we're paying our women and our men the same. We're not having any disparities. And any that were, we, we've corrected them. 
We want to do the right thing. And when you have good policies and you're upfront with your employees and you're constantly reviewing them, I think that helps in terms of uh, making sure you don't have disgruntled employees and avoiding the constructive discharge claims. Uh, claims. Due diligence is important, too. If you have an employee that is, you know, unreasonable or intentionally provoking uh, the employer, uh, seeking some kind of um, additional benefit, and, you know, it's always a few, it's always few that's going to know how to work the system. <laughs> um, but I think as an employer, you need to go and deal with that person, address what their concerns are. Most of the time, there is a thread of truth in what they're trying to say. They may be using it in a way to their advantage, but there's a thread of truth. You need to be diligent in finding out what's going on. Your HR department or your manager should sit down with that employee and try and work through what their concerns are. And if it turns out that it isn't something that you can address, then how can you you know, work through that so that the behavior comes in line with what your expectations are and his expectations of what he thinks the employer should provide either are met or not. If that doesn't work, then you're, you know, into the the discipline range. And if that's a case where you have to do that, you need to have good, solid policies. Again, uh, another tip is certainly managing the change properly. Um, Changing, you know, an employee's status or job duties, um, you know, can sometimes create a little angst uh, because, you know, there's no discussion about it. Uh, Do you have to as an employer? No. Employee doesn't have a right to an assignment. But is it good business practice? Yeah. Yeah. Good business practice to sit down and say, hey, you know what? We've uh, just got four new contracts for X uh, uh, kind of services, and we can't. We need now to have you do X, and we need to change these. Uh, We're going to be doing this in the next um, 30 days, and we're going to provide you some training. We're going to give you some detail. We're going to bring you in on these meetings so you'll know exactly what's going on. But it's good for the company, and it's good for you, and we want to work with you and want you to work with us to get it done. As opposed to, you know what, we just got these contracts. We can't use you anymore. See you later. Bye. I mean, that just doesn't go over well, and uh, it it creates that kind of angst that um, generates these uh, constructive discharge uh, types of claims. Um, And then you have those situations where, you know, the managers just behave in a manner that is clearly out of order. Um, You know, I've had situations just recently where um, the manager – just used excessive profanity towards the employee. And, um, you know, the employee was just uh, devastated uh, from a perspective of disrespect uh, in looking at how uh, she was going to be able to relate uh, to that manager who was calling her names. Uh, Another tip is be fair and reasonable with your employees. to the extent that you can take the time to think about decisions you have to make and understand the impact, you're in a better position to be able to understand um, how it can uh, a decision can impact an employee. The other thing that I, I emphasize uh, throughout this show, no matter what topic we're talking about, is to talk and mediate as much as you can. 
litigation is very expensive for both the employer and employee, not only from a financial standpoint, but from a time standpoint and from an emotional standpoint. And to the extent that you can nip some of these little things in the bud before they turn into huge issues that are the subject of litigation, I think you should try. I think it's worth it uh, in the long run to try and remedy some of those um, situations that uh, creep up uh, and cause you to be involved in in, uh, extensive, protracted, expensive uh, litigation. Again, you're listening to Employment Solutions at your fingertips, and we talked today about the concept of constructive discharge. Just kind of went over some tips, I think, that uh, will help employers avoid putting themselves in the position of getting a claim for constructive discharge, as well as help the employee avoid feeling like they have been disrespected um, or are under intolerable conditions. Again, you're listening to Employment Solutions at your fingertips. I'm your host, Anise May. If you ever have any questions, concerning the show, please visit my website at www.demlegaleagle.com. You've been listening to Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips with attorney Denise Eaton May. If you have a question for Denise, call her law office in Hayward at 510-888-1345 or visit her website at demlegaleagle.com. And join us again next week at this time for Employment Solutions at Your Fingertips on AM 1220 KDOW.